Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Recording on your end somewhere. It does say recording on my end, yeah. Amazing. Lovely jubbly. Well, I am delighted to be talking to somebody that I've actually met in real life because quite often I'm saying this and I've not met the person on the other side, but um, I've actually met this person in real life, which is lovely, but it was quite a while ago and uh, sadly we're having to do it virtually. But I'm delighted to say that I am chatting this afternoon to Fraser McLeod. Now, I'm going to take a deep breath here to list all the things, all your attributes here. (laughs) Theatre artist, facilitator, director, project manager and co-director of Sanctuary Queer Arts. That's correct. That's that's the title. So just now it's always growing and always changing. (laughs) Of course. And that's the thing about being in the arts. It's about that word that we keep hearing, pivoting, pivot, pivot. Yes. And, uh, and all the transferable skills that you will have built up over the years. But I wonder, can I take you back and are you able to remember like your first most kind of poignant or most memorable experience of the arts, whether that was you being involved in the arts or whether that was you seeing something on stage or on TV? Yeah, I, I was thinking about this um, the other day and going, where did it start? And it is so long ago, um, but I remember... Uh, my mum took me to see the Apollo players um, doing West Side Story at the King's Theatre. And it was the first time I'd seen a live production like that. And I was totally blown away, totally blown away and was like, that looks so cool. That looks so fun. And then, uh, so my mum was like reading a wee bit more about it and telling me about it. And then to realise that um, they were non-professional, you know, it was it was an amateur production and it was so like bells and whistles it was so brilliant it was so brilliant so that to me went do you mean that I could be involved in something like that and she's like oh yes probably Fraser um so that on that day I I said I remember saying I want to be an actor that was it I decided I was going to be an actor so then turn to my mum and go make that happen um (laughs) you know and she kind of looked blankly at me and it was like, okay. <laughs> so, but that, that that first experience of that, the irony then went on to being that I actually really don't like that show anymore, <gasps> controversially. Um, what? I know, I know. I don't know why. I've seen it several times since, and I've been like, I really don't like it. But I loved it the first time I saw it. And maybe it's that. Maybe the magic of it just couldn't maybe get Maybe it's not being recreated for you. The Apollo players just nailed it that time. The Apollo players. And I ended up, the, the first show that I actually ended up doing was Oliver uh, with the Apollo players. Um, I think it was the following year or maybe two years later with Brian O'Sullivan, who was playing Oliver. Um, so we were about 11 or 12, um, maybe younger um, at that point. So I got to them going engaged with the Apollo players and have that experience. And, and for, your, for my first show, it was a big experience to have. Totally. Well, that's the thing about amateur theatre, because as someone who wasn't involved in that world as a young person, going into it as a professional to choreograph for amateur theatre, I just didn't realise, like, you know, I predominantly choreographed for Adrian Coatbridge Operatic. And like you're saying, bells and whistles, like 
the amount of effort and energy and money and time that is spent to put on these amazing productions that are like professional level. It just so happens that most of the people on stage haven't trained or they don't do it as a job. Yeah, totally. But it's, it's in, but a lot of them have that kind of natural talent. There's so much talent in amateur theatre and in community theatre um, and in youth theatre. And not everyone who does those things wants to be a full-time performer, maybe wisely at times, um, but they, they just love it and they live and they breathe it and, and, and it's their passion. And, and sometimes I get quite envious when, like being the professional, talking to these people sometimes and going, oh yeah, that's how I get into it. I get into it through it for the love of it. And sometimes you forget that when you're in the thick of it and everyone's asking you a million questions and you're spinning seven different projects at one time and try to give everyone your best and switch on the face and everything. But then you also remember, that's the bit I love. And it's about the making of stuff and being in the room and that shared experience, not just shared experience for an audience, but shared experience of the making. It's so exciting. And I think with yeah. amateur companies and community companies and youth theatre, the bit that's so exciting is sometimes um, people are at different levels or have different talents and seeing people discovering stuff for the first time is so exciting as well. Um, I love it when you've got someone who's maybe like not had the opportunity to play a principal role and then they get that opportunity because they've totally nailed the addition, they've worked their socks off, they've obviously taken in everything that they've experienced thus far and just to see people grow in that that world, it's, it's, it's really quite special. Like you're saying, it's, it reminds you of why you got into it, even Absolutely. when you're the person who's having to like tick all the boxes and make everything work. <laughs> I got into it because I wanted to be spinning about and singing songs and dancing. And it's so funny thinking about this because that is totally what I wanted to do. And some point, I totally turned my back on that and I wanted to be a serious actor. When I when I did Oliver, I started youth theatre at that time as well, and that I loved. I loved the, the moment I walked in, and it was at Scottish youth theatre at the time when they had the old Athenaeum Theatre, um, which is now the Hard Rock Cafe. And yes. my very first session, I arrived late, typical, <laughs> and, uh, and I was kind of taken down into, the, into the, the basement of this building and then walked through the stalls, and the workshop was actually happening on the stage. And it was totally, like, blew my mind that there I was in this very first workshop that I was ever going to take part in on a stage. Um, but from that, those, those weekly workshops were all device-based, and I love that. I love being able to go... Today I'm going to play this character. Tomorrow I'm going to play this character. So I think I started to appreciate those skills. I, don't get me wrong, I loved doing musical theatre when, when, when the opportunities came up because it's so much fun doing it. But for some, I, until I saw Blood Brothers actually, there's a certain musical theatre style that's just not to my taste. And, and, and I think I was maybe exposed to some of those musicals that kind of put me off a little bit. Um, I appreciate them much more now. My partner is a composer and musical director, so I appreciate yeah. them much more now. Um, and I was also, when I was younger, I was quite nimble and I had an okay voice. And, uh, and, uh, and a lot of people were encouraging me to go into musical theatre. And I kind of pushed back against it because just part of me was going, oh no, I don't know. I, th I think that triple threat thing, people in musical theatre are so talented, you know, and I'm like, I'm all right. I'm okay. <laughs> and, and going, I can do a pad and I can uh -huh. kick my height. I can get away with being an okay actor, but I can't even get away with being an okay actor, singer and dancer. So maybe that was, maybe that was the thing. Because I, I did an audition for Knightswood uh, when I was well, school, right. uh, to go and do the musical theatre course. And I got accepted onto that. And I went along with a group of my, my friends from school. We'd all just done a school show and uh, loads of people had applied for it. And I kind of just applied wrong. 
maybe not wrongly, I, I applied for the experience of applying in the audition experience, thinking I'm not going to get in because I'm okay, I'm all right. And uh, and then I got in, and, and, and none of the people I was at school with got in, and they were devastated. And I can remember being like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. So I went along, you know, when the school timetable changes before the summer. So we had a few, a few days where I could go to Knightswood and did a couple of dance classes and, and stuff. And, uh, and actually me and one other, uh, Paul Connor, we were the first two guys accepted onto that course. And, <laughs> and I did a couple of sessions. And then I remember that actually the, the dance school was connected to, to Knightswood Secondary. And it really reminded me of the school that I was going to, uh, Bannerman in the East End. It was interesting. I was doing a project last year in, in that local community with Glasgow Life. Um, and I engaged with Bannerman again. And the, the head of drama is still the head of drama there, um, Karen Boland. And she's brilliant. And uh, it was really interesting chapter because there's loads of us that work in theatre from that school that didn't necessarily come through that at school. But it always had a really well kind of supported drama department. They had an amphitheatre, it's now gone. And everyone used to call it the maze. And I'd be standing in there going, it's a theatre, it's an outdoor theatre, it's not a maze. <laughs> what are you talking about? How dare you? How dare you? Um, but there's, there's loads of folk, like, so Gary Cameron, uh, he, he's a Bannerman boy. Um, Richie, who's head of LX, I think it is, he'll, he'll, he'll forgive me, uh, up at Perth Theatre, he's a Bannerman boy. Natalie McCleary, she's a Bannerman girl. Uh, there's loads, and there's loads of great drama teachers that have come through that school and stuff as well. So yeah. it's dead interesting. That, that now explains why you probably had the confidence to me. Uh, it sounds like your mum was obviously really supportive of you, you know, she made that happen when you were like, so I want to to (laughs) (laughs) Totally. But yeah, but then coming from a high school where the performing arts were celebrated and supported, then you obviously did have that moment where you're like, well, I'll I'll get a go, I'll go and audition and see if I get in. Yeah, totally, totally. But the the thing that reminded me, I remember asking about, uh, so when I'm going to modern studies from Bali, what's the timetable? And I'm like, well, if you have time, you put your whole uniform on. I thought, just shove your trousers on and go. And I just had this image of Acme Red and Fraser sitting in a, a leotard just with school trousers on and going, I can't, I can't do it to myself. I wasn't brave enough. <laughs> do you know that? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I was like, you get a hard time at Bannerman at times for being in the school. So until they all saw it, and then you, the, when I left school, went back. I left school fifth year and I went back in sixth year. And it was all the guys that used to give me a slagging for doing the school shows. Suddenly, claim Danny and Grace and everyone like, ah, you get it, you get it now. And, uh, uh-huh. um, so I made the decision after the three days to go, do you know what, musical theatre's not what I want to do. And I'm, I was really happy in youth theatre and I was getting loads of different opportunities. And, and I was doing their summer courses and they would invite me back to do other projects. And I was meeting people from all over Scotland and from all walks of life. And so I kind of went, do you know what, that's what I'm going to do. Because I had... I, I, from when, when I was very young and I was going to be an actor, my serious plan of get your three C's at higher, because that's all you needed at the time, get out of school, go to college and maybe do like an NC or something, then go to drama school. And that was the plan. That was it. And then go and be like Robert De Niro. Um, and and it was all very clear. It was all very clear. So that's I decided, no, do you know what? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to Knightswood. And, uh, and I'm going to go and do that. And it's dead funny because I'm now friends with loads of people that would have been at Knightswood at the same time. In fact, Paul Corner, who I was talking about, he was sitting talking to me one night and we hadn't clicked that we we were the same two guys from when we were 16. And he said, I was the first boy that got accepted to Knightswood. And I was like, really? Were you the only boy? <laughs> He's like, well, there was this other guy. Um, and then it turns out I, for years, uh, I had a really unfortunate nickname of the boy who never came. That's what they called me. <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, he's like, oh my you're God. worried about sitting in modern studies with your I don't, I don't. It turns out those dancing, singing lands were the worst. But he was so like, you're the boy that never came. Like, yeah, yeah, that's me, that's me. Um, and he's just, he, but he was like, oh, just think what you could have done if you'd gone to Knightswood. And I was like, we're sitting in the same party with the same group of pals. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's That's your pathway that was meant to happen. And you can't look back with too many regrets or or if any, because you think, well, look at all the things that happened after that. Yeah. Would they have happened? I'm sure other great well, things exactly. would have happened. And I, I, I always think that and go, and I don't always trust the gut or listen to the gut but when I do and I maybe don't go for things or don't do things or walk away from things it's never the wrong decision uh, you know and and there was also that that thing and I've always had going that's someone else's opportunity that's going to that's going to live it and breathe it and go and be amazing and and I wouldn't want to take that up and do it half-hearted you can't you can, that was the other thing going you can't do this half-hearted you have to no. commit and at that point as well, I don't think I was planning to move to like the halls or anything. So I was going to be commuting from Easter House all the way to Knightswood every day, then dancing on my feet all day, every day, and then getting a train back. And I was just like, oh, no, no. I, and these are the things as a young person, you do think about like, am I going to be sitting in modern studies in my leetard? Am I going to want to commute back and forth? Like, these are the practical things. And that's what I feel for young people when we go we do that thing even I do it even though I know it's annoying so what are you thinking about doing when you leave you know school and they're like yeah. I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so that that, that, that that was the decision made and going musical theatre is not for me and I think maybe that's where a lot of the barriers that I, I, I put up barriers towards musical theatre when people were encouraging me to go and do it but again thinking acting acting's, acting's the route for me it's totally acting and the other thing was I didn't want to I would have had to have given up youth theatre and I, I had such a brilliant group of pals that I was like oh I don't really want to walk away for that and plus um, I was always one of the younger ones at youth theatre so it was that way going some of them were beginning to leave to go to uni and all of that stuff and going oh no I want to be here for this final bit uh, at youth theatre where before I then go off to become Robert De Niro so of course um, and I think that's the thing about that devising process that you get in like a youth theatre where you really get to start with the absolute bare bones and it's it's yours like the ownership over that and something you've built together and that's not to take away from being a musical theatre you know in these amateur clubs it's amazing you're still putting your own stamp on whatever it is absolutely but I feel like that devising process is something quite unique and quite special and that's something I was introduced to when I started working for youth theatre because my background had been you know it's a dance class you yes. know it was mixing dance with theatre and movement and then the, the, the possibilities are endless then absolutely absolutely yeah I, I did I loved it and, and also like I, I did the acting thing as well I really got into text work too so as well as the, the kind of weekly workshops that did devising that they intensive like summer courses about 12 hours a day six days a week for five weeks um, and you just I just loved it and that was more text-based stuff. And, and working with um, and Mary McCluskey, who was artistic director, she was just brilliant at working on text with young people. And you look back at some of some of the plays and stuff, and you go, it's parts that we would never, ever, ever, ever play um, or be cast as. or Because you, you've got your cast and you've got to make it work. But you, you totally invested in it. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think it was brilliant to be able to learn those skills of text analysis, to learn about the kind of rehearsal room etiquette uh, and, and to go to full production as well. Obviously, youth theatre, so much of it as well was about the social side and, and just those summer courses, the summer festivals that they used to do 
they were absolutely brilliant. There was hundreds of us from all over Scotland. Some people had been given scholarship places. Some people had had to fundraise. Some people um, were lucky enough that their parents could. So people were from all walks of life. Um, and so both, both times, the only, the only way I could afford to do it was to get like sponsorship and, and scholarships and stuff. And I remember um, STV giving, giving money towards towards me doing it both twice that I did the five week courses and and then also wrote to the <laughs> my grand told me to write to the, the McLeod clan. <laughs> um, so I was like, why not? Might as well give it a punt. Uh, so I wrote to the McLeod clan and done Bacon Castle and Sky and they gave me fifty quid towards it. But I noticed when they wrote back to me on their headed paper, they spelled McLeod M C L E O D. So I don't know if I wrote to the wrong clan or if there was just like they were just using up old stationery or whatnot. But I'm like, I'm a Mac. I love it. You get 50 quid, eh? I know. I sneezed at it. See, here's the power <laughs> of the plans, actually, if you're right, if you're right you ask. <laughs> I'll be writing to the Kennedy clan. In fact, I can write to two clans. I've got a, ma- I've got a maiden name and all. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Go for it, go for it. You're never short. Uh, but that's the thing about, like, youth theatre and those opportunities and those experiences because you were then mixing with young people from all over the country that that other perspective like sometimes when you're a young person you're in your bubble you've got your pals and when you do branch out into something new and meet new people that can be so like formative that can be so important so instrumental in what you do next I think absolutely uh, well absolutely um and it was it was like they were and I've still like my pals that I made back in 90 five are still some of them are still like my really good pals and I would never have met those people we wouldn't our paths wouldn't have crossed if, if we didn't have yeah. this kind of shared interest and actually pe- where people came from and it never it never mattered it never came up until until we got a bit older and we started going to house parties and you're like oh <laughs> like, this is a beautiful house this is a lovely farmhouse out in Perthshire amazing uh, do you want to come to my my wee flat in Easterhouse I know, I always used to go to my pals who went to a different high school. I went to their house parties. They never came to any house parties that my school organised <laughs> for that very reason. It's always the posher yeah. houses but, but you know what, some of them, some of them loved it. Like, they felt that they were living life on the edge, I think. Because <laughs> 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 I'd be like, right, we're walking up the street. Oh, there's that guy, just like, just look like you belong here. And they're like, oh, how did I do that? Um, running the gauntlet. I, I, I loved that, I loved that. It was cool. And it, <laughs> but they, so I, they were, they were my pal, and I had my school pals and stuff, but I basically mm. went to school, done my work, left to go and do whatever kind of theatre I could do, and then the weekends were, were, were always dedicated to doing that. So then, then it's about acceptance as well, isn't it? Like feeling like you belong somewhere because you're, you're all really like that common thing, like you're all into this and you all love it. And when you are set a task, you're all going to do it. You're there's not going to be somebody there going, I'm not doing this, like you get at school. Ah, uh-huh. exactly, exactly. And and I didn't really do drama in school till fifth year with me and Karen Bowling had, had made a pact that if I'd stuck at youth theatre, I could crash higher drama rather than doing standard grade. For that reason, that there was a lot of people who were picking, I, I was aware a lot of people were picking standard grade drama because like, this is going to be pure easy. I was like, oh, I could, couldn't bear to beat you. I bet you called that amphitheatre the maze as well. So I just thought, I don't want to be around them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, I don't, I don't want to be around that attitude. And exactly, I want to love it and I want to keep loving it. Um, and I loved it when I got to higher. Higher was cool. I enjoyed higher at school. But... I just love your focus. It's like a young person. It sounds like you just totally found what you were meant to be doing. And like, voila, 
you're still doing it. Well, I'm at. <laughs> I'm mean, the pandemic and everything. Jesus. I know, I know. Well, that, that was the thing. And going, obviously, loving that experience so much and then thinking the next logical steps to go to drama school and become an actor. Um, and so that, again, that's what I did. I had a wee bump in the road where I left school after fifth year. Um, I, I just walked out uh, again at that change of timetable. So I was like, ah, can I do a double period of biology and a double period of maths next year? And I, I was kind of going, I'm sure I've done all right in my hires. I'm sure I'm going to have got my three C's. Um, so I was like, I'm out here. But my mum was on holiday at the time, and I can remember like <laughs> get, going out and going, oh, no, oh, no, no, getting on the bus, going into town, going into the Scottish Youth Theatre offices and <laughs> speaking to, to Mary and Caroline and the people that worked there and going, I, yeah, I just walked out of school and my mum's in the holiday and she's going to kill me. So they, they, they sat me down and went, what are you going to do? You're only 17, what are you doing? So they gave me a wee job in the, in the office for the summer. I applied to go and do an NC. And like, so, but they went, by the time I'd applied, the audition was like two days later or something. Totally bombed it. Totally bombed the audition. Didn't get in. Like, oh, no, my plan is ruined. But I then went to Lyside College for a year and did a couple of hires. And I, I did an A-level in art. Why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. I'd done higher art. And everything, everything, but I was like, oh, I'll just do an A-level in art. But I pure loved it. It was brilliant. Loved that. Uh, and then I got a job in the county house in, in uh, George Square. And at that point, I was rehearsing The Wizard of Oz with uh, with Scottish Theatre as well. So that was going to be my last one because I was like, I am going to go to drama school. I kind of said to myself, I'm going to do the audition rounds of drama school and I'm going to pick two or three this year just to see what that is. I'll probably not get in because when I was auditioning, I was 17. I would have been 18 by the time I went. I was like, I'm going to go and see what Queen Margaret in Edinburgh is like, and I'm going to go and see what the Welsh College is like. Um, I wasn't really thinking about the RSMD or RCS because I knew a lot of people there already, and I was like, mm, is there other alternatives? And what can I afford? Where can I afford to go to? And then I got a recall for both the Welsh College and Edinburgh, and I was like, oh no, oh no, I might actually get in this year. I should have just done the rounds. So set up your panic. Uh, email and uh, the RSMD and like got people to put in words for me and stuff. They gave me an audition. And then by the time I had had my recall for the Welsh College and Queen Margaret, uh, I got offered a place at Queen Margaret before I'd went from a RSMD audition. So I pulled out of that and uh, went off to drama school for three years and uh, had a brilliant time, had a brilliant time at drama school. I think more so because I, lo- I loved my year. I loved the 25 of us. Um, they're dead funny. They're such a fun. In fact, I was on I was on the Zoom last night to three of them. Um, they're just so it was it was brilliant. It was such a formative time in my life. But I started through drama school, kind of beginning to question. Oh, is acting what I like? Is acting what I love? Yeah. And that kind of really threw me for a wee bit because I was like, if it's not this, this has been my plan. This has totally been my plan. Could have been the stage. Ah, uh-huh. and I think it was. I think it was more so. I loved learning all the the kind of skills and techniques and the kind of stamina of doing it every single day and all of that I loved all of that and I loved when we were making work or when we were rehearsing a play but there was just something in me going mm, I'm not so sure I'm not so sure and by the time I graduated I was 21 and uh, in my head I thought I feel I should go back and do this again do this degree again um, or and also going I'm not sure I would get in it was a weird it was a weird confidence thing at the end of it but I think it was just as well going, I would have appreciated it if I was a wee bit older because it was so intense mm-hmm. and I kind of felt like I knew what I wanted to do and where my skills lay and that didn't always happen. 
at drama school or, or something would come up and I'd go, oh, mm-hmm. oh, right, I do need to keep working at that, oh, right, which is what it's for. I think that's, that's the usual, you know, I hear that a lot, like people going to dance college or whatever and they've been the star turning in their school and everything's came quite easy and then they go and it's like, oh, yeah, I've got so much to learn. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I thought I was like, I thought yeah. I nailed it. By the end of the three years, that was when I went, I need to work on all this. And it took me those three years to work that out, actually. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that, I, I've always said that I think drama school and drama training or any kind of training like that um, is, is your time to fail, is, is, is a time where it's okay to get it wrong um, and learn from it. I think it's okay to, to fail and get it wrong at any point in your career, but especially in drama school, it should be a safe space to allow that to happen. While I was at drama school, I kept in touch with youth theatre, and I was all and I was interested in learning how to facilitate workshops and learning how to plan workshops and do those kind of things because I thought I'm not going to be acting all the time because uh, that's how it works. Obviously, it will just be due to scheduling conflicts because everyone will want me. Obviously, there's a small gap because I couldn't do those two jobs at once. But uh, Karen McGrady Parker and Julie Austin slash McCarty uh, mentored me when I was a student and and how to begin leading workshops. So I started facilitating workshops just as about when I was graduating. So when I came out, I started doing a bit of outreach work for them and I did a bit of outreach work for, for other places, moved back to Glasgow, went started working at SIPS, front of house and on the box office and stage door. So some days I would open the building and close the building. Uh, I would just jump from different departments. Uh, yeah. I, was only, I was there for a few months, loved that job, that was brilliant. And then, then, got, then got an acting gig. On a, on, a, on a tour with a lovely company, Lucky Spit Theatre Company, that I still got a lovely re- relationship with. But on that tour, and I loved the show we were doing, it was a show called Magic Spaghetti, um, and I absolutely loved it. It was a brilliant show, and it was a great experience, but on that show, I was like, this is not what I want to do. Oh, no, yeah. oh, no. But that's when I realised, and going, it's your theatre that I love. It's that, I love. it's that it was process. Always, it was your first love. It was your first love. Absolutely. And I didn't know, I didn't realise, I didn't look into it, I suppose, that that was a viable option, uh, to use that word viable, because it totally is. Um, but I didn't realise it was a viable option uh, and or how to get into that. I didn't want to be a school drama teacher. I knew that. And a lot of my tutors that I had at youth theatre were professional actors. And, and so I kind of went, that's what you do. And then you do this as a wee side hustle. And then it made me go, I don't want that to be my side hustle. I want that to be my main my main thing. Yeah. Um, but it's a total different skill in itself. And not every actor is going to be able to fa- facilitate workshops successfully. I totally it's not, agree. Like it's not a cop out, do you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like it's one thing being able to act. It's another thing to be able to teach it and to facilitate and to give people their voice and the space to create something. We're talking about confidence boosts and you know that you're these people walk into a room and they're like we were saying earlier on, they're coming from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, and it's your job to make them feel all welcome and all a valuable part of that process. And there's so much juggling goes on. Like it's not just that that isn't a side hustle. Uh Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I always felt that. Um but it really confirmed it. And it was funny because when I went, that's what I'm going to do. And I, I was offered a job to, to um, because I'd been going out and doing so much outreach work in, in different teams of people, a couple of us were asked to to go on like three-day-a-week art, artist and kind of residence or drama worker in residence uh, role to, to then go out and deliver the outreach programme. It was, to, it was cheaper for the company, I think, basically. Mm. Um, and that's when I had to make a decision going, right, that, that stop, that stop with the acting. Um, or, or and do this, or, and I, th- I was like, do you know what? I'm going, I'm going, to, I'm going to give it a bash. I'm going to totally give it a bash. So much I needed to learn about kind of 
project management and, and setting up pro- the, of projects, not just the, the planning and delivery. So we went into their office at that point and, again, learned so much working with Kenny McGlashan and, and, again, Julie and Karen and Mary and, and lots of other kind of other people dotting in and out and working with brilliant people, so so many brilliant people. And I've always been really lucky, I feel, that I've met such generous and wise uh, people who, who who are open to sharing their skills and open to sharing their practice and, and being really honest and encouraging as well. So it, it, it's lovely, like, the relationship I have with Karen McGrady-Parkin is brilliant because there she was, she was my mentor, and then we ended up being thick as thieves and continue to... But I feel like that, that is something I've experienced massively within my career. Like, I'm lucky to say that I've not met many people within the arts that, you know, no one's coming to mind, actually, that has been, like, you know, putting their arm around their work. Like, don't copy me. Like, everyone's been open and honest and willing to share and... Because it's not there's no secrets, you know, and you do have to go through it yourself. There is a process, but if somebody can just like offer you a wee hand along Absolutely. the way, sometimes Absolutely. That, it, it massively helps. And it's that imposter syndrome, isn't it? And it's I'm so good at like um, being really practical and, and giving really good advice while in my head going, <laughs> you do the same thing. Um, and it's the same, it was the same when I started facilitating and going because I definitely came from facilitating using my acting training and, and pulling up on all, all the tools and skills. Because that was the thing at Queen Margaret that appealed to me, actually, was that they, they train you how to be, at that time, they were training you to be a jobbing actor. Uh, so you, you did lots of everything and you kind of built your Batman utility belt and you could pull out all these tools as and when you needed it. And it's amazing how, how useful over the years yeah. I, I found the tools. I went, I hated that. I pure hated doing that. And then I go, oh, I get it now. Oh, I get how I can do it. So I, I would be a phenomenal actor now. Um, but <laughs> definitely that thing of going, do you know what? Keep, keep still on your feet. Stop rocking back and forward and going, I'm, I still do it. Do you know, I always, I'm doing it right now as I'm talking to you. I'm just, I'm always kind of rocking back and forward. Animated, darling, animated. Animated. <laughs> just that whole, but the imposter syndrome thing. And, and it's always brilliant when, when you meet someone that can go, I, I feel that or, no, actually, you're dead good at that. Or I saw you do that and it was really good. Or they can go, you're beating yourself up too hard, but if you try this, it's better. And I've always been open to learning. That, that's a big, big thing. I've all, always wanted to learn and always wanted to go, I could be better or I could have done that better. Um, and there's been times, I think, depending on how stressed you are or depending on how run down you are, where, where that gets louder, that voice. But then, so true. Uh, and then there's other times when you need to go, just learn from it. Just learn from it. Yeah. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, I think it's when you're in the moment, it's fine. I was talking to somebody else about this this morning. Like when you're in it, and you know, you're in the session and it's all happening, that imposter syndrome, you can't hear it because you're just in the moment and you're just putting out fires and spinning plates and loving life and whatever it is. But it's the afterthought or going into something, isn't it? Where the, those voices can be loud. Absolutely. Or, Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny because... I think as I get older, that voice gets a bit louder. But I learn how yes, to I, I learn how I, to I would, I would walk that. away from it as well a wee bit better. When it was loud when I was younger, um, it was hard. But I think younger, I had I, I definitely had the thing of going, I don't know how to do this. Let me work it out. Whereas now I go, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. Um, 
And then, I don't know how you do that. And then I'll work it out like five minutes before the deadline kind of thing, going, right, okay. But I call that now my percolation phase and I don't beat myself up for it and going, it's in my head and I'm working out, I've just not written it down yet. Fine. And it, I, That's I will me do. with every choreography job. <laughs> yeah. It's ruminating. It's not a cop out. It's not a cop out. And I think that also comes with the experience of going, well, I will do it. And I do know what I'm going to do. I just can't see it yet. I just can't see it. Fine. Um, and that's okay. Um, and I think only once or twice I've, I've kind of had to go, oh, game's a bogey, game's a bogey, time's run out. And then you phone your pals going, help me. Um, and, and luckily you've built up enough people that will help you um, to, to get of through. Of course. Through. That's the thing. Everybody will be the same. There's not one person. I can guarantee in the arts, you know, that's got it all sussed and knows yes. everything yeah. back to front. No, no way, no way. Because every job, every situation presents those challenges in whatever shape or form they yeah. come in. Yeah. And that, that's what's great about my time at, at Scottish Youth Theatre. So I went in as a three-day three day a week drama worker, freelance, and then was like, oh, it was a rolling kind of three-month contract. And then nine years later, I was <laughs> the full-time associate artistic director and I like I'd never I'd never taken the pension out uh, because I was like oh it could end at any point or I'm I'm, I'm going to leave any minute uh, and then I did t- I took the <laughs> I took the pension out when it you know when it became mandatory um, so I was okay. like you know what sign me up for the pension and then it was a month later I told them I was going to leave <laughs> no way. so I got like. Like an idiot and going, oh, well, there's no point taking pension. I might go in about three or four months. I might go and do something else. I might go and do something. Then nine years later, you go, could have been nine years of payments. Mm-hmm. And then when I did take it out, that's when I decided to go. I felt too serious then, I think. And um, going, oh, that's a bit. Cool, <laughs> totally. But, oh, my feet are under the table now. <laughs> I know, I know. It was, a, it was a totally brilliant place to be. And it was a great learning place um, in terms of me practically and in my practice and, and skills building, but also from each individual group of young people that I engage with from all from doing work for the for young people and their families and like three to five year olds loved that work and then after you did that for a bit I'd be like oh I miss the teenagers so you go and work with the teenagers and then you go back to the eight to elevens because they were the ones that would play the most games with you um, and stuff like that so like totally like I, lo- I love the whole gamut and that again that's thanks to like the training the, the training of sport definitely I got from Julie and Karen mm. And then, and then when I moved into more bigger projects with them um, and kind of instigating projects and setting up projects and producing them and leading them or, or finding the right teams for them. And uh, Mary was totally brilliant at encouraging me to think outside the box and don't do what she would do and do different and, and that kind of thing. So, and it, there, was a, there was a wee point in time where we worked really, really, not a wee, not, it's not a wee point in time that we worked well together as a team, but there was a wee point where it felt like, oh, Oh, we're really flying. Like, there's lots of really lovely things going on, and and then the stuff hit the fan a wee bit at that point because they they lost their funding, and that kind of really marred my last year there, to be honest, um, because of how it was done and the impact that that had. Now there was legitimate concerns as to why there was discussions around the funding, but. The way it was done was not, I don't agree with, I still don't agree with. But what that meant was my final year, we were part of, the, we were very much part of the consultation on how we could move forward and, and what we needed to do to change. And that was a really interesting process. And I quite like getting into details and, and stuff like that, you know, of going, what are the values yeah, of a project and, and what, yeah, of what's course. the budget and how does that sit and what's the strategy? And I, I quite, I had to learn when I started SYT working in their office, I had to learn to love admin. 
because uh, it was a big part of the job. And that's always my advice to everyone training and thinking, <laughs> I'm going to go out and I'm going to be a star. And I'm like, you've got to learn it. To love the admin. You've got to learn to love it. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Invoices, tax return. Exactly, exactly. And, like, and I do, and I, I get, I get kind of obsessed with stuff now and going, like, like this year I made a brand new uh, spreadsheet for my invoices that sends out an invoice automatically. And stuff. Oh, I know. No. I mean, that's sad. It's totally sad. But it was a project, and when I didn't think I was going to ever work on a project again, I was like, mate, it's well built a spreadsheet. <laughs> this is a project. <laughs> spreadsheet, the musical. <laughs> Build an empty spreadsheet. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> but, but you have to, you have to learn to love it. Um, and, and I did. I did. So that came in really handy. And that, that kind of last year, the thing that the consultants kept saying was, now, this isn't about saving your jobs, which I totally was right on with. And going, no, it's not about saving. It was about saving the name of that company. Because I kind of I felt so strongly in going. If we can't make it work, then someone else should be able should be able to come and in. It still needs to survive. But, uh, because it, it, was, it, it was such a brilliant statement of intent from 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 government and from Cape Scotland to say that we fund and value a national youth theatre and all the national youth performing arts companies. They they were kind of saying, picture yourself away, don't picture yourself in the company. And by the by the end of that process, which was really hard because we were still doing our day jobs, still trying to deliver projects, still working for the young people we're engaging with, hundreds and hundreds of young people, but at the same time doing all this additional work to kind of prove our case or to prove our worth mm-hmm. or value, um, which was hard. And by the end of that, I was like, okay, everything's approved. There's a new plan. There's a new direction and that's all great and everyone's everyone's so that was like so this is the time for me to go you're no closing we're no closing we've not ran it into the ground fab okay but also that then allowed them to to change things structurally with me leaving there was a post that they could change and do things and stuff and i wanted to leave in really good terms and because i have so much love and admiration for everyone that i came into contact through that company but definitely for like mary and caroline Cosgrove and karen mcgrady Parker, who I was kind of leaving, I felt I, I felt I was leaving them behind, but it was time for me to go and do different things. I'd done a couple of wee freelance bits um, when I was there and was seconded to NTS to head up the partnership between SYT and NTS for the Commonwealth Games. And we did the Tin Forest performing, uh, international performing company, and we'd 90 young folk from all over the Commonwealth Games. So I'd, I'd developed and devised that whole project. I didn't lead on it, but I was the project lead, but I didn't deliver I had like five different teams of loads of different specialists and, and it was brilliant. It was such a huge, like that year, 2014 was such a bonkers year. Oh my God, it was like the best year for work. <laughs> Wasn't it? I've it was never brilliant. worked so much in my life. Oh, I know, it was absolutely brilliant. I've heard people talk about it on this as well and going, it was <laughs> amazing. And so we would, we would all be performing in the beautiful weather out along the Clyde side all day and then we would all jumped in the arches to see a random accomplice, what, what they had done that day, because they were doing uh, News Just In, uh, a different show every day. There was so much going on, and the city was alive, and it was the really lead-up to the referendum, so there was a lot of other artistic stuff happening around that debate. And I had made a show um, about the independence, ref- about engaging young people in the debate of the referendum, not how they were going to vote. So I'd made it the year uh-huh. before, but because I'd made it the year before, it just never died, and and, and, and it kept being remounted and people asking for it to come back and because it had to change every time because things kept changing so the first time we did it it was all just throw our questions up there and see what happens the second time we did it the white paper to come out so we had a document that we could now use 
and I deliberately used different young people every um, some some core young people that stayed throughout and then bringing in other young people for their different opinions and stuff. And that was a show. And that, that's the power of theatre. Oh, Do you know totally. what I mean? Like get young people engaged in topical things. Like not you know it doesn't need to be Shakespeare. Or, although that obviously. There's a value to that too. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. You know, the language of the time that you're living in and what's uh going on around you and to understand and to ask questions and explore and give your opinion or accept other people's opinions might be different to yours. But, you know, that's really important. And it was was a snapshot of like a moment in time um, or moments within that year because it was such a hectic year and so much was changing and happening. And I learned so much in that process. I didn't know where my vote was going to go at the start of me working mm. on that show and working on that process and and I used to be that person that would be like oh, I'm not really that political not really that political um I just love the arts um I kind of I, I kind of knew who not who I would never vote for and I guess I still have that thing of going I wouldn't say I'm aligned to any one party or any one thing I would always kind of look to go who's telling the best story or who, who's going to represent the broadest demographic of people in the fairest way is how I kind of always approach it. But it was so interesting going through that project. And I learned so much from the young people and from them being brave enough to ask questions that I'm going, oh, I don't know. But then the, the, the role I had in the room was to kind of mediate that and to mm. to, to, to remain neutral as well. So that, that became a really great thing for me to go, it's really interesting to look at both sides, you know, and I always try to do that. And it's so easy now to just, Mute, block, delete. But I, I, it fascinates me where I go, if I'm over here and my thinking and my feeling and you're away over there, but there's things about you I like, I go, what happened? How did you, like, I like to know the journey and go, well, how did you get there? Because I'm over here. And, and I think that's really important because I think that's the only way you can then either find a middle ground or stop the anger and stop the hatred and be able yeah. to explain if you can yeah. explain Have a conversation absolutely absolutely yeah. and like you're saying about as well like young people being brave enough to ask the questions because quite often as adults we feel you know certainly I feel sometimes like you have to have all the answers and you know sometimes you're presenting a question and I'm like ah I don't know. Let's find out. We can't know everything. Absolutely, and I think I think that was a great learning experience for me to go. I don't know. I don't know. That's okay. yeah. because that's when I went. Oh, that's actually going to be an exciting bit of the show because let's explore the fact that we don't know, <laughs> or let's explore. Let's the- write that down. Uh-huh. yeah, totally. So I totally planned that. <laughs> so, like that that year, twenty fourteen, those big, huge, big projects, international projects, and the heady days of two thousand and four. I know, and then right at the end of that was when SYT lost its funding, and I was like, oh no, oh no, oh. But I also go that brought great opportunities for them and great things, and they're, and they're doing some yeah, great this is work. The thing. So like when Karen and Mary left, I was a bit like, okay, that's great because I'll be able to go put that a little bit to bed because I love the company so much and I, have a great, I still have a great relationship with them. But I was like, the next person that comes in is not going to be a pal, which is going to be dead exciting. But then Mary Riley, who's one of my best pals, got the job. Is the great <laughs> And she's doing, and because her and I, we met in 1995 on a summer festival, and she was my, uh, we worked together on the Tin Forest, so she was the project manager while I was the project lead, and I remember having a conversation with her, and she was kind of going, this is what I love, I love doing this, this is really good, because it was one of our first kind of overseeing, like like doing the the arts admin, and and, and having big decisions in a project at that scale, and the producing of it, and and I can remember going, in 10 years, I want to be running this company. I was like, go for it, Mary, why not? And she did it in four. Wow. <laughs> she did it in four. Jesus. So impressed with, like, never met anyone with such 
drive and passion and it's it's brilliant hearing her talking about the company and, and and respecting the history of it, I think that was always my worry about someone else coming in and going, don't forget that there's thousands of people that have come through it, you know, and, and had a great experience. And actually, it's not a benefit because of COVID, but the whole digital programme that they're doing now is fantastic. Uh, I mean, and, and like, it's so exciting. Mary came on the podcast yeah. and spoke about that with Mel. And um, it's incredible what they, they achieved. Absolutely. I watched the performance that they did online, you know, and just to, again pivot and make that happen and all the young people be totally on board and yeah of course they would have been so disappointed but it, they didn't dwell on that for too long it was like well we still want to be involved and that's the the power of it the magic of it that even though they weren't able to be together they still felt that they were they wanted to be part of something that was important and, and, to them and the way that they've been able to be much more like and I, I, i'm finding this through my work like you're able to be much more open and inclusive and connecting to using your digital platform for for engaging people first of all in conversation and topic and 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 and, and discussion and stuff i think i think that's been a real eye-opener in terms of engagement you can't be mm-hmm. being in a room but there's all there no. is a, there is an, an added kind of value of somebody from hundreds of miles away can just click on a button and be part of be part of the experience and part of the conversation and i think what what that team's doing there is so exciting and and, and it's engaging now uh, with the wider youth theatre sector in ways that we couldn't because of when our flagship events were or because of when other events were happening and going, we're just starting a six-week course that we're all heavily involved in when, when this festival of what's happening and, and we didn't have a core group throughout the rest of the year. Just, just stuff like that. And that whereas in our head, we were always like, we, we want to engage and we would love for people from local youth theatres to come, have that experience that I had of meeting people from all over the world, all over Scotland, and then go back to your local youth theatres with that new experience and share that and stuff as well. And I think I think that that's brilliant to see that those relationships are getting stronger with Scottish youth theatres as well. So back up, Scottish youth theatre, I am a huge fan. Absolutely. Well, I mean, as much as you're bigging up Scottish Youth Theatre, that, that's great. And all, you know, all the people that you learned from and all the people that you, you know, were supported by, you are also one of those brilliant people who are doing great work and providing opportunities for others. I, I guess you'll know that I'm talking about Sanctuary Queer Arts. Yes, yes. How exciting. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. It's all, it's, it's all still very new, uh, but not in a, a lot of ways. So... Mm. The idea of, of launching a, a new company during lockdown um, seemed totally bonkers, <laughs> um, but but the, we had the rationale and we had everything in place, you know. Um, mm. So we. Well, it wouldn't be an overnight thought. Uh, oh, absolutely not. It's been so it's, much research and development and ruminating, like you were saying earlier on, the ideas it's, percolating. It's, it's, it's over six years worth of chats. Um, that's just how long it's taking us to to get it to the point that it's at. So initially, again, 2014, when I was still at SYT, I, I also got to go out to uh, I got some create, uh, development money for for myself to go to a conference out in New York called Performing the World, um, and then with that, I, I visited different organisations that work with young people in North America to see their and talk about their models of working. And one of them was a, a company, uh, the Theatre Offensive in Boston, who are an LGBT company. I went out and was interested to talk, talk to them about the Pride Youth Theatre Alliance, which is their umbrella organisation for their LGBTQIA plus um, young people. And I kind of went out thinking, that's really interesting. You know, why, why, why is this a separate thing? We're so open and inclusive. 
in youth theatre. I thrived in youth theatre as a gay man, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so naively, they just turned around and went, but they're never in the majority. Imagine what work they'd be creating if they, they were in the majority and like, oh yeah, totally shamed me, but totally right. But it made me come back and go, that's absolutely right and we're not doing that. Yeah. And there's, there, was, there was very few opportunities for LGBTI young people. Um, but what I'd noticed as well was in schools, I was meeting way more who were open within school settings and the work that I was doing around schools and, and young trans people, open trans people, uh, gay, lesbian, and go, kind of going, oh, right, okay, that this is... Schools have changed. Society is obviously changing. So we, we developed an idea to work with Glasgow at the time, but that was 2014. <laughs> so that didn't happen. Uh, so, but I kind of took it with me because I thought, no, that's that's dead important. I'd spoken to Whitehouse about it. I'd spoken to Clara Bloomfield, who was at Whitehouse at the time. And she pointed out that Drew Taylor, um, or Drew Taylor Wilson, who is a, a great multifaceted artist um, who does a bit of everything, uh, mm. and does it very very well he was he was on a similar kind of journey and he'd noticed the schools thing and, and the fact that places becoming much more open um, and he'd started doing a, a project with um, Toon Speak uh, with queer young people there and then we had a chat about let's do something for a year of young people let's see if we can get a national queer young people company but we didn't get our fingers out in time to, to make that happen but we had huge conversations and we did put together an idea for what sanctuary could be and put it into Creative Scotland and they knocked it back quite rightly. But we then went back to say, well, what if we develop our thinking a little bit more? Can we research this? Can we? Uh, and, and they were up for that. So we got we got some money last year to go and see different, because we, we don't have an LGBTQIA plus theatre festival in Scotland anymore. And there's a few around the UK, so we got to go and visit them. Got to go to Canada and uh, work with buddies, not work with, but to, to kind of talk to and, and experience uh, Buddies in Bad Time uh, Theatre Company, who are the oldest queer theatre in the world with a building. Wow. And to see their mentorship programmes. So from that, Drew and I, have, we, we worked with Stephanie Katie Hunter, who's at RCS, to help develop some of her ideas. And then we, we brought in um, Annabelle Cooper, who is a producer uh, and performer in, in her own right. She does a lot of cabaret stuff and she does a great, um, I've not seen it, but I'm dying to see it, um, Oasis, which is like a, a, a drag king version of the Gallagher Brothers. And she's the producer for Joe Clifford's uh, Jesus Queen of Heaven. So she she's came on board as the third co-director um, and she's brilliant. She's so brilliant. Drew and I have su- had such a shorthand. Um, we're like a married couple. We're like work husbands. Um, so it was great. It was great. So she came in and go, hold on like a minute. <laughs> So we were all ready to, to apply for kind of a year's worth of programming and a year's worth of activity, uh, and then COVID hit. <laughs> oh, no! um, but again, it was about looking at, right, okay, we're still going to apply un- under the new terms because we feel like we need to get started on this. We're at the stage now we need to actually start delivering. But what, the, what this allowed is that it's, at the moment, digital. So right away in, in what we're calling phase three, we can begin to go and national and, and go further afield and uh, so we launched our young company um, and we've had our first session with our 10 uh, young artists from across Scotland which is super exciting and we are just about to select our two newer artists who um, we will mentor to a first draft stage of a performance. This all culminates in February of next year and then from February uh, we hope to have more time and space to then 
built our own festival of work, which would include the new artists and the young company. So yeah, we've set up to to amplify LGBTQIA plus voices through arts activities and opportunities. And it's we want it to be intergenerational. We want it to be a celebratory. We want it to also offer different levels of engagement uh, at different stages. Yeah. So the idea of uh, a young company, we will eventually have a kind of schools program uh, and a families program um, with the newer artists. So that's not essentially emerging artists. Um, uh, we, were, we became really aware actually through a lot of conversations we were having with people that some LGBTQIA plus people come to the art form later as well. And, and that word emerging has a kind of age connotation to it for a lot of people yeah, yeah. so it doesn't mm. have to be your two or three years out of training uh, or you mm-hmm. you know it could be you've diversified you've taken a side step you're doing something different uh, so that's the emerging mm-hmm. artists that we would love to be able to grow somehow and then the idea of the festival of being able to program these works alongside established lgbtqia plus artists i think a few years ago there was a notion that there's no, there's no need for these people to have their own spaces or their own stages because it had gone mainstream. And I think people now understand better and going, there's always a space for it. And there's never... Tony says, there's that never just one... sounds like somebody who's not li- living that experience then. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and there's more than one experience and there's more than one story exactly. to tell. And, and again, it's about going, and this is our time to be enjoying art and arts and theatre in the majority because we've not, we don't get to do it, and I just think that's super exciting. And I'm already learning so much, like I say, like from from the, the young company. That's the thing, like that's the exciting bit about it. Do you know what I mean? That you get to still learn. I say that as if you're like an old person, but you know, you're you're. you're no, that is true. You're, you have this career behind you, all these experiences that you've had, and you're still learning. Like you're so established in what what you're doing. You've been able to develop this and and start this, but. The great thing is, is you're still going, I every day is a school day. Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and it blows my mind and going, it's pretty cool. Like the three of us definitely have imposter syndrome quite a lot with each other going, ha, ha, ha. But going, well, this, this project wouldn't be happening if we hadn't instigated it. Are we the right people? to be heading up this company. Well, yes, because we've done the, the we've done the groundwork, we've done this. We're not saying we're the only LGBTQIA plus theatre company, and nor should we be. There is more than enough space for lots of people doing lots of different things, and we should be able to support and complement one another. But this is how we are choosing to do it, uh, and we'll do it in consultation with the right people. Um, we're def- we've got brilliant consultants that work with us um, who are artists, what well, a better a better word than consultant because it gives me the shivers. But um, <laughs> but, but they are they are they are there to interrogate us and to question us. And on paper, Drew and I are very similar. You know, um, we're not we're not similar, but on paper we are um, in terms of experience, in terms of working within education settings and working professionally and stuff as well. Um, and we're both trained as actors and then walked away from it and all that stuff. And going, the story is not that different, but the idea that. Um, we were building these partnerships with, with with different people to come in and and point out to us where, where we're going wrong or point point out to us where we could be go, could be doing better. And I feel that that's where I'm at right now as a person is going and the way the world is and kind of quietly observing a lot of it and going, what does it mean and how do you be a better person? I'm trying to carry that into this process and going, we don't want to go, there's a young company, apply in, in, in the way that it's normally been done, but we're going, well, what, what? Mm. So every little aspect of it, we're trying to 
look at and go, what's the experience of people hearing about us for the first time? How do they engage with us? How do we make that possible? How do we continue that? And we won't always get it right. Um, you learn from getting it wrong sometimes. Of course. Trying to be as open, as fair, as inclusive as we possibly can, and not possibly can within, within our capacity or possibly can within our budget. If we find that we can't do it within that, we then need to identify the ways that we can still try and make those things happen. Absolutely. Um, because it's so important. And that's the thing that you get from like nurturing something from the absolute ground up because it was a seed of an idea and you have watched it you know, and you're really taking care of it, that every aspect, it's not just a box ticking exercise for you, that every aspect of it has to be useful. And, you know, it's not just like, oh, we're going to do this thing. It'll be amazing, right? Uh Yeah, totally, totally. Like, what do you need? Like, speaking to people, speaking to young people, what do you want? What do you need? What what should this be for you? As well as bringing your own expertise and your experience to, you know, to the table as well. It's great, like, um, it was true that, first floated the name Sanctuary for it. We loved the title from the off. We were worried about the kind of religious connotations or the other kind of connotations. I thought but we were going, it totally sums up what it is that we want this to be. And it totally is the reminder of going, whenever we say the word, it's about going, it's every single aspect has to be welcoming, has to be warm, has to be safe, has to be, or people need to know that it's these things. And then we can take risks within that because it's, yeah. you know, um, so that's then it's, it's super exciting. It's scary. We keep catching our breath, you know. Um, it's mad to think that we're finally um, beginning to, to generate work and, and do some work with people. Um, totally, like, congratulate you for going for it because it's quite often that you can have an idea and you think that would be something worth pursuing, but it's that bravery that's involved in actually going for it and, and the the amount of work that has gone into it thus far before you've even like, you know, before you'd even done your first workshop, it would have been no mean feat. So, you know, well done for doing it. It's obviously out of total sheer care and attention and love for what you do, the passion that drives it, that's got you to this point that you've totally, you know, stuck in all these years. And it's not easy to be, you know, even if you're full time with an organization or whether you're freelance, like it's, times are tough absolutely quite often and uh, it can be quite often easy just to go ah i've had enough of this but you haven't you've yeah don't get me wrong there's been definite times where i go what else could i do could i do cyber could i go cyber i don't know (laughs) uh the answer to that is definitely no Uh, (laughs) That's not a career option open to me um (laughs) but i have nothing else i can do I do a lot of things within the industry. I have lots of different Correct. skills that I can apply and I can adapt. do a mean spreadsheet. <laughs> I can do a mean spreadsheet. I can uh, I can now do a bit of the technology. Um, I've had to learn that quite quickly, um, as we all have. <laughs> you know, going from like, totally. like, can you make a digital resource? Like, yes, I can. Then you Google how to make a digital resource. PowerPoint, I'm good at. <laughs> PowerPoint's great because it's now got this new button that you hit and it makes it look dead fancy. So, Is it? yeah. I introduced Karen McGrady-Parker, who's another artist uh, who's doing amazing work in communities. Um, I introduced her to the design ideas button in PowerPoint, and she's like, this is amazing. I mean, anyone who knows is like, you've just hit the design button on PowerPoint, but if they don't know... Well, it was Karen that I only met last, well, two years ago when we worked on a project, but we didn't actually work together. No, we didn't. We were passing through. We passed each other, but the Going for Gold project. Another, how how good was that summer as well? That summer was brilliant. It was proper, like that. That was that. That it was so much fun. It was so much fun. It was. It was. 
It was metal. It was metal. It was bonkers. It was it was everything. And they were so shattered. Every time I hear the music from that um, that mashup that I choreographed, I'm just like. But that was my partner that did the mashup. So I heard that getting made. No way! That's so true. I forgot about that. So it's like it, so like that mashup. I have heard every second of that mashup for like hours and hours. And hours. It's like it's like whenever I go to see the, like the Tron panel that Ross has written. And he doesn't ever let me hear his work um, until I go and see it. But there'll be like one bar of music that I'll hear him obsessing over in the other room. Like, do, 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 do. And then just randomly sitting and enjoying myself in the front panel, I'll just hear those three notes, do, do, do. And I'll be like, oh, oh, no, that's, the, that's, that, that's that bar that he hates. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is the joy like of working in the arts in Scotland. Like there's so many connections. Like, and that has been the joy of like doing this podcast. And you, you were saying about you know, just bringing people together and there's enough space for everybody. And that's what I want to do with this podcast mm-hmm. is just celebrate people and their passions and that there is room for everybody and we can learn from each other and we can support and celebrate each other. I love nothing more than working other. in a team. I can work on my own, but it's, you know, and that, that like, and it's fine working in my kitchen just now, like I'm doing, talking right. to you and all of that. And I'm still working in some teams, but I miss working with other people because I learned so much. And it's like, it is, it's like a sponge and going, oh, you do it that way or oh, I do it this way or and all of that. And I absolutely love it. And so many great people, great people. And I've been so lucky to work, to work with them all, you know, and, and to have those opportunities and, and like my relationship with the National Theatre Scotland and the people I've got to work with there and all, and, and, and the Tron, we lease out the Tron as well. I mean, I love it. And I love it. I love it. I do love it. I know you do. I know you, but it is is it you because you do because you know it, it is the passion. You get the work, and people connect with you because you're good people doing great things. Boom, done. Yeah, thank. Well, yeah. Okay, I'll take take that. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that because I, I think that is maybe what I think I'm good at. I'm, I'm rubbish at saying what I'm good at or what what I feel that is that I actually do. Hence the big list you had to read out at the start. There's no word for it. I do a bit of this, but... I'm like, by the way, you are. I know, I know. Portfolio artist, someone once said, I don't like that either. Um, Because I'm like, what's a portfolio, really? But I think, for me, I I love talent. I think I'm attracted to talent. I enjoy helping people discover their talents. I enjoy watching people utilise their talents. Um... And I, I really, and I love being in a room collaborating with people when they're demonstrating their talent as well. I love that. That that's that's what I love about it. And that was the thing that I think I loved all those years ago in youth theatre. And that was the thing I really wanted to do was to be in rooms with people, talented people doing talented things and sharing those talents for audiences or with communities and, and stuff. So that that's 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 what I say I do. Hopefully, we'll get like another 2014, like all the positives of 2014. <laughs> When there was just all that like buzz and energy and people working together and collaborating and all that lovely stuff uh, and making absolutely. playing essentially playing. Let's just play. Let's <laughs> let's just play. Let's just listen to each other and play. I playing. I love playing. Playing's amazing. I play games for a living. That's what I tell people who, I who don't have a clue about the arts and they go, I could list it off or I could call myself a portfolio. Sometimes I go, I play games for a living. And they go, oh, I just play Zap. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Zap, Duck, Duck, Goose. Diddly Da. Diddly Da. What's our other favourites? Oh, there's loads. There's loads. That's what I'm missing is, is that being in the room and just being silly? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, during the summer, I was asked to make some stuff for NTS, like as a kind of play dates thing for families. And one of the things that I did was make a wee video on Zoom 
games that you can play with your friends and family. So I made a lovely wee video with my nephews. So if you if you need any more games, go on and have a wee look because there's some. Games oh my god, I'm all over that. Play with my nephews, and then the second video I wrote my my younger sister, and my mum, into it as well. So there's a whole family thing going on. Like really simple classic like games, but they're so much more complicated when you're doing it on Zoom. Um, but it's good fun. It was good fun. It, it go, I get to call that work, you know, like playing games with my family online. <laughs> but it, it it does take skill and effort and passion to drive all that, you know. It so, does, Lisa. Like, it does. The family, it does, the family didn't realise that. Of course. <laughs> Jenny can see my mum at points going. I, I mean, it's lovely, but in her head, I can see her going, "This is lovely, but this this is what he's getting. This this is what he's been stressed out about when I've been on the phone to him." Like, ah! <laughs> They're just do as you're told, Sheila. Be an actress. I love it. I love how she's still getting roped in after all these years. She's like, I put you into theatre so that I wouldn't need to be And you're still roping in. And do you know what? It was the same look, like I said at the start, when I said, I want to be an actor, make that happen, Mum. It was the same look in her eyes and going, what? When are you going to grow up? Um, never, <laughs> never is the answer. But I, I'm so like delighted to speak to you at, the, at this point, for, certainly for Sanctuary Queen Arts as well, because the podcast isn't about you know celebrating something that's happened yeah. necessarily. It's about you know it's lovely to speak to you at this point yeah. because th- there has been so much obviously that has happened to get you to this point. But it's like we're on the brink of something you know brand spanking new. It's it's totally fresh at the bottom. Do you know? I think that's that, that's what I'm really loving about it is is the fear of it. Uh, when having the fear, um, I've been freelance now for four or five years and I've worked on some lovely, amazing things, but this is something I've instigated. So I don't have like the, the backup of being employed or I'm, like, I'm, all the other ones I'm not necessarily the lead artist on. So there's a little bit of security there and going, what do you want me to do? And I'll do it and I'll deliver it and I'll do it in my way and stuff. But but with this one, it's like, oh, <laughs> um, I'm hit. I'm hit, but I love it. And, I've, and it made me realise I've really missed that side, that strategy side. I've really missed that, um, hence the spreadsheets. Uh, but really missed that side of things because you get you get to make the decisions, but you also get to change them and you get to adapt them and you're only answerable, answerable to those around you and stuff as well. And and that feels nice to, to have that kind of ethos where we're allowed to do that. You know, there's other things where you're dependent on funders and you go, no, these are our deliverables. These are the things we have to do. Whereas, well, we can change it. Well, we can do that. Well, we can Anything do this. We wanted to. Um, because it has to be suited to the community that we're setting it up for. And, and similar to what I was saying with SYT and similar to what this is and going, I don't see this as going to be my job forever. And it's not even a full-time job at the moment. I mean, it could be a full-time, it is a full-time job, but it's not paid as a full-time job. Um, but... I would love to be able to have set something up that was for the community that we could leave with the community. Now, Fraser, I'm going to take you on to what's called the thingamabobs. Now, these are random questions that I have a list of. I add to it every so often. There are like 70 of them. And I just select a few for my guests to answer. Yes. If you would indulge I me. will indulge. Right. Here goes. Is it roasted cheese or toasted cheese? Roasted cheese. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's roasted cheese. I know, but lots of people argue with me and say it's not. It's because you don't all with roasted cheese. You don't always have to toast the bread. True story. Sometimes you just put the cheese on the bread and put it right under the grill, so that way you're just roasting that cheese and you've still got the nice soft bread. But folk argue that it's, you're no roasting it because it's no the oven, it's the grill, and that's when I'm just like, sorry, I can't talk about that anymore. <laughs> no, you're being, you're being. Too no, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> And I know, I know I was saying earlier about uh, wanting to understand where people are coming from, but in that one, they're wrong. <laughs> they're absolutely wrong. 
just that one. My dad, my dad one. calls it roasted cheese, and he would cut into the four wee squares, and that's what I would have on a Friday night. So roasted cheese. Boy. See, this is what I love about thinking about questions. Um, what or who makes you laugh? Oh, who? Me- um, oh, so many people make me laugh. Dogs make me laugh. Dogs make me laugh. I, I, like, I've been trying to get a dog. I've been trying for about 10 years to get a dog. No one will let it happen. Aww. I thought I thought I was getting close to like um, running Ross down enough to, to agree around about Christmas time. And it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's still not happened. And then I was, what kind of dog do you want? Oh, I keep changing though. I, there's part of me that wants a, a, wee, a wee schnauzer because I think they're dead cute and I think they're funny and grumpy looking. And I think, actually, I look a bit like a schnauzer. <laughs> with my wee grey beard um, <laughs> distinguished, yeah. distinguished. But, but I'm totally seduced by any see if a dog's nice to me I'm like that's a dog one cockapoos love them love, I, I fell in love with a wee dashing that I met one day in a pub um, but then everyone's like I don't get a dashing we don't live very long I'm like, oh, well, I don't, I don't, oh no I don't want to live forever. Um, so I don't know I see, it's a big debate it's a huge debate when I see one just tottering down a street that's how I, that's how I greet them <laughs> just laugh at them I love it. Um, what are you really, really good at? <laughs> oh, I'm really, really annoyingly good at being very practical in a crisis to the point where I annoy myself. So, <laughs> do you know that way I'm going? I have two reactions to finding out news about something, like a surprise or a shock. I'll either giggle and laugh um, because of nerves or I go super serious and practical and start mapping out the A, the B, the C, the D, the E. Um, so I'm <laughs> trying to think of a, a decent enough example. But basically, if you're in a crisis, you'll get me. Super serious, straight face. Oh, right. right. How are we going to solve it? Like, I can't sort things out in my own life, but for you, I can drop everything, be very practical. Everything <laughs> <Great. laughs> A, B, and C. It's good to so know. that's what I'm really good at, and really annoyingly so. So like sometimes if people tell me about them having a fight with someone, and really, all they want to do is tell you that they've had a fight with someone. I'll be the, and what did you say? And how did you? And how are you going to repair it? And what have you thought of? What have you? And more so, not telling people what to do, but helping them find their way. When really they're going, I just want to bitch about them. I'm going to shut up and let. I just want. <laughs> I can't help it. If I, if I care about both people, I'm like, right. So what do we do about this? We a plan here. A plan. What do we do about this situation? How do you? Um, so I can be really annoyingly practical. I know I can. I know I can. But I'm really good at it. I, I'm all for that. I'm going to be phoning you the next time I've got a problem. Feel free. I love it. You'll be all over it. I love hearing about other people's problems. It makes me feel so much better. Here's a random one. What would be or is your karaoke song? Oh, that's an easy one. It's uh, Video Killed the Radio Star by Bubbles. Yes. I remember it's only because I, I sang it once, uh, really, really drunk, in a karaoke in Edinburgh when I was a student. And, uh, and I won... Best song of the night, and I got a free pint. I was the second singer of the night, oh. though. I think, I think the drag queen was uh, coming on to me. However, I take it as going, I sang that song really well. And it's Love it. That's such a good song. It's a good song, isn't it? It's totally, and you can do it as a duet, but you can do it solo because like the the the, the, vocal, the lady vocals are, are, are actually on the track usually. So, but you can you can do it as a duet. Um, but it's also not one that everyone does, and it's not that hard. That. You were all over that. No, oh, no, no, no. We'll just say that. That's, that's I didn't have to edit any pause out or anything. Oh, Fraser, this has been so much fun to chat to you, but I do have to ask you the final question that I ask everybody, and that is what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? It's it's probably Glake it. 
uh, and it's not a very positive one and it's not a nice one and it's one that I'd probably use more about myself than other people <laughs> but I just love the sound of it and I used to have I used to have a, a coaster with like the, the dictionary definition of Glee Kit yeah. I, I love it and I think I think when people use Glee Kit it's more a term of endearment you know, you know a, bit like, a bit like when people say Dolly you're a bit Dolly you're a bit Glee Kit Oh, there's so many good words, isn't there? I love, I love... Oh, I've had, like, bog and hoof and mock it. I kind of, do you know, I think I love I love all the, the words, mock it and glake it. I love all them. I think I used to hate them when I was younger and I've grown to love them. Because I think when I was younger, I was really conscious. I was made to be really conscious of how I spoke and what, watch how I speak and things. Not through youth theatre, through, through wee Sheila. Um, and to her horror, like... My sister and I have kind of reverted on it a wee bit and kind of fallen away from it. And I, I have such a, I have such a accent that when I'm talking to people, I change what I'm saying and change how I talk and I just react to people. But the, all those bogging and mock it and glake it words that I wasn't allowed to say as a kid, when I'm like, it's a dialect and it's a language and it should be allowed. And it is. Get rid of that working 100%. class robbery. Embrace it. Embrace our working class heritage. Um, and all that so absolutely love the Scots love the Scots language this has just been an absolute joy thank you so much thank you so much you're in the clan now it. it's been brilliant I've had a lovely time and I've laughed from start to finish <laughs> so thank you so much for brightening up my Monday oh, thank you thank you it's been great you're doing a great job I do love it I love listening to them and uh, I can't wait to see you in person in well, Glasgow Green fleetingly passing by <laughs> go for gold <laughs> go for gold <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.